Hey, how's it going? This is Billy. And I'm Jen. And you're listening to Coffee Talk with Billy and Jen. Cheers, babe. (laughs) I kind of feel a little bit like I go into like movie voice every time I do that. Like Vic counts us down. If you don't know, on the other side, in Coffee Talk Studios here, Vic goes three, two, and it's a silent one. It's a three, (laughs) two, silent one. And then she nods. And I go, hey, how's it going? This is Billy. And I feel like I go into like a personality. You do, babe. It's my radio personality. But you kind of have a radio voice anyway. You're listening to smooth jazz There's been multiple tunes. people who have told me, your husband has a radio voice. It's so smooth. There have been multiple people that have told me that your your wife has a radio body. Okay. <laughs> Getting a little crazy already. I don't know what that means. You do have a radio. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. <laughs> you do have a radio voice, though. You have a face though. for radio. Your body is better heard than seen. What? <laughs> you have a face for radio. <laughs> you have a face for radio. Oh, Dude, that's funny. That is so my story. <laughs> No, babe, you got Truth. a good face. Truth. High cheekbones, nice jawline. Oh, gosh. Great beard. Um, trimming, your trimming of the beard is very nicely done these well, days. Well, hey, uh, happy holidays to y'all. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy now holidays. we can officially say Merry Christmas. It's December. Happy holidays. We're in it. I love it, man. I hope that you're enjoying the. I was taking a walk last night and the clouds were gorgeous. I mean, Winter, oh, winter in the Pacific Northwest, Seattle area is ridiculously beautiful, but Especially when it the does sun, get dark at four yeah, p.m. Well, so that's I've, maddening. I kind of have to disagree with that statement, but yesterday was amazing because the sun was just glowing and the mountains are just like. Yeah. But it rains, so it rains so much during the winter you don't actually get to see. But when that those beauty. glimpses of sun come out, man, true, there is hope. There, there is, is hope. hope in the Pacific Northwest. But this morning, I woke up and it's like you know seven, and it felt like evening at seven because it's still so Who dark. Are you kidding? You didn't wake up at seven. You were up at six. Well, when I went to I know because your alarm woke me up. And then you're it's dark by three. It's 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 kind of crazy here. Yeah, yeah. Your mom asked the other day, "Do you ever get used to this weather, like the the darkness all day long?" I'm like my mom's visiting in town from not really from Maryland. From Maryland. From Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Maryland. Um, is, she, is that where she lived right there, Vic? What, what city does she actually Laurel. live in? Laurel. Laurel, Maryland. That's where my grandparents were. It's where we as kids, we have childhood memories. Do you now? Yeah. Hey, um, we got the Christmas village up. I don't know if you know, but it's a big thing around here, the Huffman household. I have a Christmas village. We have a Christmas village that I take ownership of because I take it upon myself to set it up. But this year, babe, you helped. I did. We did it together. I have to say it looks the best it's ever looked. I'm not going to argue with that. I think it does. Little characters are really little woman's touch. You know. So the Christmas village is up. We have, I'm trying to count it. We have three and a half Christmas trees. If you count the light Christmas tree that's in the yard, we have four and a half Christmas trees. Yeah. Two in the main room, the small one in the hallway, the third one up in the room, up in the upper room. It's getting crazy. Four and a half Christmas trees in the household this year. You can tell we've been at this for quite a while. And today we're going to get a Christmas tree, a 12 footer for the church. Or taller. Guys. It's only 24 days till Christmas. Oh. 24 days. Tomorrow is December 1st, ladies and gentlemen. Well, when they're listening to this, it's the first day. Oh, yeah. Of well, December. happy December. Happy December. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be much angle belly and there'll be a good cheer. Um, good cheer. Yesterday, my mom made cookies. She's visiting town and she okay. was watching It's a Wonderful Life, and that was a vibe. Mm-hmm. You know, else is a it's great, a great Christmas movie because it's kind of wintry is Proposal. Watched it yesterday. While I was uh, working, yeah. Why is that a good winter movie? Well, they go to they go to Alaska. Oh, that's what it's it is during the winter. I think I they're like decorating. I feel like Sandra Bullock and what's his name? Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds could have been the modern day Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. You know, Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan did Sleepless in Seattle. I agree. They need to do You've more got together. mail. Day, like Tom Hanks is in modern day. No, they're older now. <laughs> 
They are. They're, they're like our father's age. I mean, it's they like are. it's romantic comedy if they do it, but it's like grandma and grandpa's romantic comedy. It'd be more like the notebook, the end of the notebook. But what I'm talking about is like they because they're their chemistry, Babe, man. I agree. Great. This is great. See, but you, it's never to be. You're into rom coms. You're into the romance. I'll own that. It's yeah. all good. Best part of the whole movie is when they they slam together completely naked. You gotta you gotta say that is a funny moment. <laughs> like goes, it's no subtle thing. Why are you naked? Why are you so wet? <laughs> yes. And she just like she does the best job of covering all her parts perfectly the entire time. Like I just the, that moment it just gets I wouldn't me. know. I turned my eyes. Uh, it's too hard to turn it happens so fast. Oh yeah. It's such a good movie. Such that is a good, a good one. Good call, babe. Yeah. You're I watched I watched a classic. I don't know why. This is a movie that you probably don't know much, but I watch it all the time. And every time I watch it, I cry like a child. You do. It inspires me to the core of my being. It's called Sing Street. It's this British off-brand movie about this kid who creates a band. I, I know I inspired And he you. goes for his dreams. And I don't know, like, so you always to be like okay, you were all asleep. It was 1230. Everyone had gone to bed and it was ending. And they're on the boat and they're going and they play that song, You'll Never Know Unless You Go. And I'm literally like sobbing. I'm like, pull yourself together. <laughs> I love it, babe. But I know why you love this song. Like, my eyes get puffy. Can I, I cry can so I hard. Can I dissect you for a second? Oh, you you see yourself. You were like that little boy being bullied, no one believing oh, in you. You're going all counsel And you had these me. deep passions and dreams, and you stood out. You stood out even when you were the little chubby boy at school. You always stood out. Just like this hurt kid. hurt my feelings. Just like this kid. And you you see yourself in this child that becomes this great, Babe, I'm courageous give you, I'm going to give you a C- minus on that. I don't. I it is. It is. Like, there's a lot of parallels. I feel about, like you could have done a lot don't better. Don't you agree that. that there's a lot of parallels between him and you? I mean, obviously the ki- the the storyline's different. The parallels are going for what's in your heart. But that's what you did in the midst of hard things. Just go for that's it. That's what you've done all your life. Yeah, yeah, I don't relate with this boy, and I don't like you calling me chubby. But I relate with the the whole thought exactly. of like, and it inspires me. Yep. And then there's a love story interweaved in there, which is kind of cool too. Yeah, so. it's great. And his family. It's like it's it's. He he just does it all. He overcomes. You know, we're not so going to talk about it today, but I want to do an episode. I was thinking about this because I was like, we we're talking about romance and romantic, and there is a big difference between being romantic and being chivalrous. And I think chivalrous at its core is the most romantic. And I think dudes today have learned a Hollywood romance that falls way short of being actually chivalrous. And so if you don't know what the word chivalry is, then you need to get a dictionary and apply that to your life, sir. But um, I mean, I it's can't, easy I can't, to it, win over a woman. With chivalry. Yes. And that's actually insanely romantic. But a lot of dudes just trying to be romantic you, like Hollywood. Like I never anyways, never That's not what we're talking about. I never experienced it until I met you. It. Let's talk about it. No, I was not. actually walking with our middle son, Caleb, to when we were in Chelan, we did a long walk to Starbucks. And you always, when we were first dating, you'd we'd be walking on the sidewalk, and I'd always be on the side nearest the, you know, near to the cars where the traffic was. And you'd always like kind of walk around and scoot me to the other side and push me towards away from the cars. And I, I remember asking you, why, why do you always do that? You're like, well, because if something was to happen, like if a car was to swerve, swerve and hit, it would hit me first before you. That's shivery. And I was telling our that son. That's good. I was telling our son. So he, we were walking. I was like, you know you know what your dad taught me a long time ago? Was he on the other side of you? He was on the, he, yeah, he was on the side. Was he pushing you into traffic? No, but he, he literally goes, <laughs> he, like, he switched sides of the sidewalk so fast to be near the cars. And he's like, oh. I didn't know that. He goes, I'll do that every time now. I was like, oh, so it's many common, things that you have you've done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't even think you realize you do it. 
Yeah. Well, my, I had a good Maybe dad. My dad was chivalrous. I think it's also a lost art. I think I'm old. I'm 45, older. So I but think. But when you were 20 dating no. me, you were doing this. Yeah, yeah, I know. And I think back then it was probably a little more common. Uh-huh. Like yeah, hold maybe. the door for a woman. There's been a lot of things that have changed that. It hasn't just been that men have become buffoons, but I think even the women right women's oh, yeah. women's right movement has been like, I don't need you to hold the door. I remember I, don't one, need you to I remember once a woman was carrying a huge bin in one of our communities years ago. And I said, Oh hey, let me let me carry that for you. She's like, Why? I can carry it. And I was like, I know that you can, but I'm just letting you know you don't have to if you don't want to. And that was kind of like it's like why do we have to be a competition with women's rights or equality, which I believe fully in? You are a woman boss, and my God, with also just chivalry, like just common decency. I do the same for like, okay, one of my brother-in-law the other day was carrying something. I was like, yo, I got that, I got that. I wasn't just a woman thing. He's a dude. He's a builder. He's a contractor. The guy can build houses with the bare hands, and he was carrying. I was like, yo, I got it, I got it. And he did the same with me. He's like, I'll carry that, I'll carry well, that. Like, it's you just know, common decency. What makes a woman strong is letting you carry it. Oh, oh, okay. So Preach, I think women who are that way, there is a deeper issue mm, for sure. Maybe, yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're maybe they're jaded by men who What's, are total buffoons and just exactly selfish right. and self-serving and looking for their own. You know, so, I mean, there's a lot to go around here. What are we talking about? I don't know. We just got off on this little Okay. Um, today is the first day of December. And so I'd like to start it out right with book club time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Nailed it, Jen. Oh, man. That's a little I jingle. I just got to drink we a little are. coffee, too. You got me just in time. Book club time. <laughs> you like that? How I hold it. If you haven't been tuning in lately, we've started a new segment that we like to call book club. It's where we kind of take thoughts from some of our favorite books. We've done it a few times. And, um, you know, Jen and I, we talk about everything under the sun, but a lot of those thoughts and some Literally. of those values come from just the many books that we've read over the years. And so I love to read. I'm an avid reader. Jen is too. I, I'll read to her, but you do read. You just don't read as much as I do. There, yeah. There, yeah thank but you, you read all the time. I You're feel like I've reading. read so many books through you. Yeah. But you also you, read babe. your own books, which is yes. saying a lot because you've, oh, your whole life, you've had to read. A, a slight reading disorder. Slight, extreme. Slight dyslexia. Extreme. Yeah. Which, babe, is super inspiring. I'm okay to admit that. Yeah, it's super inspiring. Well, you've admitted before, so I didn't out you. But um, super inspiring, all that you've accomplished, and you still continue to read and do that. And it's more writing, really, but yes. Yeah, you do really well. So anyways, today I wanted to pick some thoughts, just one kind of key thought from one of my favorite all-time books. It's been weird. During the holiday season, I've had a lot of people DMing us, DMing the podcast, yeah. asking us what our favorite books are. They were asking what episode we went through. One episode, I guess we it count like down our top season. 10 books. Yeah. I can't remember what it was, but... We did. I've had like I've probably top, had six top. different people really? in the last two weeks be like, "Hey, can you give me your top five books? Like for gifts that they're getting for either their husbands or for their spouses?" Or so I guess people maybe really, we should do like you know my top five, your top five for this. We've season. done it, but do it again because there's new books. There's I don't new know reads. if it's changed much. I'm trying to think. I don't have too many new or books. maybe new ones that we've enjoyed. Maybe yeah, are yeah. not our top five. Yeah. Anyways, today I want to pull a thought from one of my favorite books um, called "Good to Great." It's Good to Great by Jim Collins. You've probably heard of it if you if you've done anything in leadership or business or just you know you're inspired to be better than yesterday. This book is a classic. It's certainly a number a New York Times number one bestseller. It is kind of like a Bible for business people. Um, if you were talking about like how to win friends, influence people, how that would be like kind of like a Bible in the social world. And you know, um, good to great would certainly be kind of like Bible status in the business world, in my humble opinion. Yeah. Um, and it's got the it's got the sales to prove it. But it's simply they took this. It was they did a study on what they would call like 
really good companies, a bunch of good companies. Starbucks was on the list. Walgreens was on the list. You know, you just go Procter and Gamble. You just kind of go through all like the major companies. I don't even know. And they they determined what made those com- which companies were great, which were good. And there was a whole like criteria. And then they tried to determine what made the difference between being just a good company and being a great company. And so it's a phenomenal book. Some portions of it read like a bit of a, like a business textbook. Other portions are crazy inspiring. If you're a pastor out there or you work for a nonprofit, he did a, he did a spinoff called Good to Great in Social Sectors. It's much smaller. It's more like a booklet, and that was awesome. Oh, I need um, to read that. Yeah, yeah. I have that somewhere around here oh. on one of these bookshelves. Anyways, so, babe, the, one of the things that he brings out, and I just want to bring out one thought from the book. The book is forever. We could talk about it forever and ever and ever and ever. But one of the thoughts is he talks about level five leadership. He breaks down leaders into five levels. Level one, these are great. Level one are good leaders. They're bosses, managers. They, they lead companies. They run. They can manage a business. You know, they might be the general manager of a restaurant. Then level two, level three, level four. And he gets to this thing where he, he calls it level five leadership. And here's one of the things, Jen, are you taking a picture of me while we do this? Yeah, you look sexy, man. I can't help myself. Well, you're in a robe. Is there anything under that robe? Okay. Prove it. Moving right along. <laughs> Okay. I love looking at little red. She gives me this look like seriously every time. <laughs> like <laughs> you know what's coming, babe. All right. Um he he they didn't want to say the reason a company goes from good to great is leadership. They he started out like that wasn't what they were gonna do. They didn't just want to cookie cutter that. And obviously there's a bunch of reasons why companies go from good to great, but they said one of the you know, they could not ignore the empirical data. Every company that they considered great, that made it in the great category, I think there's like 28, every single one of them was led by a level five leader. They could not they could not deny it, and they wanted to deny it. They wanted to be like, no way, it has to be. And there were other things, but one of the number one things was that every single one of those companies had level five leadership. Now, here's how he defines level five leadership. Um, these were the people who were at the helm, and they all shared, out of all these 28-something companies, I don't know how many it was, all of these level five leaders, top level leaders, they all shared one characteristic uniformly. They all had a bunch of different characteristics, but all of them, without exception, shared this one characteristic that they see as the defining characteristic of a level five leader. It gluten wasn't, intolerant. what'd you say? Gluten intolerant. Gluten intolerant. <laughs> yeah, if they Definitely work, in the Northwest. Yeah, if they live in Seattle. Um, Lactose intolerant, gluten free. Is it organic? Was it raised? Yeah. Did the plants play well with each other before you cut them down? You know, what is wrong with us? Um, Wow. It was not an insatiable will to succeed. That was not the characteristic. It was not exceptional skill and talent. They may have had those things, but not all of them had those things. It was not a larger than life personality. It was not. Some of them had that, but it was not a 24-7 grind mentality. Hello. The one characteristic that every single one of these level five leaders of these great companies shared, guess what it was? What? Humility. Bam. Humility. That was the one characteristic. They could not deny it. it They said that they combined, they all combined an extreme personal humility with an intense professional will. And that is what defined them that. as level five leaders. They, they, extreme personal humility with an intense professional will. I, the um, definition of humility is a modest view of one's own importance. It's lack of pride, lack of vanity. 
Um, it doesn't mean you think less of yourself. That's it so just means good. you think of yourself less than you think of others. You just you don't you don't consider yourself to be more important than other people. So, anyways, you can't fake that, by the way. Yeah. And I thought it was so profound to think about it. You cannot if if you are truly humble, you can't fake it because entitlement and self-serving that's that shows the, up that's the like truth. you can't hide it can't hide you it. might be able to fake it for a bit but then the moment things get tough the moment things don't go your way your entitlement shows up and every time man i will never forget years ago a conversation with a friend where i really I finally at some point like he just things had gone wrong gone wrong gone wrong and he's what a great guy and then all of a sudden it just his true colors kind of showed and i remember being like i remember remember saying to him over the phone are you serious bro do you hear yourself right now and it dawned on me in that moment too like Oh, there's a, there's a serious level of entitlement here that I hadn't even seen. It just it will come out at some point. Um, not to not to make you feel bad if you're entitled, but kind of kind of to make you maybe check question yourself. and yeah, check yeah. yourself. So honestly, what they were saying is the secret to genuine success is this humility that these level five leaders. It, it's not just perceived success because you can have people that aren't level five. No doubt, in some of these companies, these really good, good companies. Starbucks, by the way, only made good, didn't make it to great. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. Only made good, didn't make it to great. Um, there was a, there's reasons why, but I mean, great, amazing leaders, right. right? They could do that. So you don't have to be a level five leader to build something great, but it's your success is only perceived. Because there's this this humility that these level five leaders possessed, it made them universally admired wow. and adored by the people that were on their teams. Every time. I mean, if you just start to think about the people you just have an infinity, is that the right word, towards or really love being around, they all possess that characteristic of humility, a sense of humility and thinking of others before themselves. Like always. That's how they their their view of life, how they live. That's that's what's always drawn, you know, myself to people, to yeah. other people around me. Is with those kind of characteristics. Yeah, yeah. And you don't ever think about that when yep. you think about success and business and entrepreneurship and the grind and like well, don't and you feel winning like, in life. I feel like I haven't actually met, I've met some for sure that are that high level leader that have that, that possess that level of humility. A humil, humility. I've not met that many. It's not even a level of humility. It's just having humility at a high level. At a high, thank so you. it's not that they yes. have so much humility. It's just that they've achieved so much and yet have maintained humility. So the book kind of says it's a paradox. It's a duality or a dichotomy. They're modest, but willful. They're humble, but fearless. And it universally, their companies became great because the people who worked with them and for them loved to be a part of it. It was this. So here's my question, babe, as we get going into this and kind of book club today, how, how can we be humble? How can we, you know, Kendrick Lamar said, be humble. I'll be humble. Lil Ren keeps leaving the room. Do you not do you not enjoy the podcast, Lil Ren? Are you out? Okay. Um, um, I would kind of say if I if 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 Kendrick Lamar were to write a prequel to that song, he should do "Be Grateful." Yeah, I think now this is now this is in the book, and we'll talk what the book says in a second. But I think personally, one of the ways to develop humility is through gratitude. That's where it starts, right? That's where it's, I mean, like I think of our kids. Like a kid is inherently born selfish. Totally. You know, they 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 take the toy out of someone else's hand. They throw fit. They want what they want when they want it. But like the moment we taught our kids to say thank you or to be grateful, it was it started changing their behavior. It yeah. they realize, oh, like mom and dad are are giving me this, so I need to be grateful for what's free. You know, it was like the moment we begin to do that. It's it's the road to humility, gratefulness. Yeah. It truly is. And even in the moments where I have found myself drifting 
to feel like entitled or I deserve something. It's usually because I've lost sight of, oh my gosh, I need to be more grateful, right? It, it, that brings, that grounds Gratitude me. breeds humility. It brings me back to, to that reality. Yeah, yeah. And we can choose to be grateful. Okay, I was over the holidays. My mom, my mom, I keep saying my mom's in town, but we were, uh, you know, we were off in Chelan and we were celebrating and she was saying something and she had listened to my sermon. Of course, my mom's my number one fan. I've been preaching for 24 years. So I stand in front of communities, small or large, it doesn't matter, you know, uh, on a stage and I talk to people. And so for some people, that's a performance. For me, it's way more than a performance. It's not a performance at all. It's pastoring. It's a call that I love. It's a responsibility. I'm getting off track. But anyways, my mom goes, you know, babe, you know, you're so wonderful. And, you know, and I'm like, mom, thank you. I love you. You know, she's moms just, you best. know, moms are the best. And she's like, and I know so many people tell you how good you are, you know, and my so-and-so was saying to me the other day, one of my aunts or uncles, like, they just think you're so gifted. And I was like, oh, that doesn't really matter to me. And my mom goes, why would you say that? You know, and like mom's correcting me. And I, and I understood because I kind of said it, I kind of said it in a way like that doesn't even matter to me because yeah, yeah. I, I was on vacation. So give me a, give me a break. <laughs> but but in the moment, I go, that doesn't matter. And she goes, she goes what do you, why would you say that? And I go, no, I go, oh, I came off wrong. I was like, here's what it is. I don't believe my own press. And here's why. And I, I don't know where I learned this. I don't think it was my dad because my dad didn't really have a platform other than just people loved him and he loved people. True. But I don't buy into my own press, meaning like I don't let the praises and accolades of people get into my mind because if I do that, then I'm also going to have to let the hate and criticism get into my mind. Because it goes both ways, by the way. Reading you it, will yeah. never only, if, you, if you're trying to please people and in this whole game that we play in society and life, don't believe your own press, mm-hmm. what people are saying about you. Now, I believe what, I, what people I love who are my world, like if you come to me like, babe, you kind of came off a little arrogant. Like I got to take that to heart. If you come to me like, babe, that was so good. I'm so proud of you. I got to take that to heart. And we need that. I'm not saying like, you know, it's not like I can be, but there's so many voices and there's so many opinions. And there's going to be so many comments. And there's going to be so much people that are, are giving you praise, but they have an agenda or they just, they're professional at kissing up. And then there's going to be so many people that are giving you hate and they have an agenda or they just are sad and angry people and want to bring you down. You know, like you can't buy into your own press, which reminds me of the show we've been watching over the holidays, Ted Lasso. Such a good show. One of my favorite shows in the whole world. And you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Don't, don't spoil or anything. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I'm talking yes. about. Yes. One of the coaches. Nate. Yeah, yeah. Nate. Nate. And I, I won't spoil it or I will. I don't even care. I, I don't want you to spoil it. Well, I won't say what yes. happens, but this guy, he he's one of the believe. coaches. Ted Lasso sees the best in him. Yep. And this guy is super meek and super kind of like insecure. And Ted Lasso, this coach, pulls out the best in him. And Nate becomes actually pretty good. He makes him an assistant coach when he was just equipment manager. And then Nate that makes a good call one day because Ted Lasso gave him a platform. And then people start talking about how great Nate is. Nate the Great. And all of a sudden, man, Nate is like believing his own press. And then it gets super dark, and I won't spoil alert, when the press starts to go south and they start to say Nate's not that great, right? So it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a principle in life. Like don't believe so your own right. press, good or bad. Let the people that are close to you in your world, let them speak into your life. Take that support. Take that encouragement. Take that criticism, constructive criticism at times. But don't buy into all the, all the, the nonsense out there because it's, it's hard to stay grateful and humble mm-hmm. when we start to buy into that. I remember growing up, my dad used to force us as kids, Vic, I don't know if you remember this, to say praise the Lord after everything, everything. good and bad. If something good happened to me, he'd be like, what do you say? Uh, I praise the Lord. 
You know, okay, praise the Lord, because all good things come from God. When bad things would happen, I would stub my toe. I'd be in so much pain. You'd be like, what do you say? What do you say? I'm like, what? I want to say my foot's hurting. I want to curse the devil. I want to, he's like, what do you say? And he would make me say, praise the Lord, because, and I hated it. I was like, why do I have to say, praise the Lord, like when I'm in pain? And it never dawned on me until I found myself doing it to my own kids. <laughs> like the kids would get it's hurt, they'd pain. fall. And you, I remember you even asked me once, like why? Jude or Caleb and the kids fall. I'm like, hey, say praise the Lord, say praise the Lord, say praise the Lord. And they're crying. I'm like, say praise the Lord. And you look at me like, why? And it dawned on me as an adult, why? Why? My dad was trying to get my eyes off of my temporary situation and put it on something bigger. For us, it was God. Mm-hmm. But he wanted me to see something bigger. He wanted my Good perspective yeah. to be bigger so that it would keep me humble and grateful. And it did. It did. Like, it, I think, I mean, I'm not always humble and I'm not always grateful, but those are values, core values in my life and our life as yes, a family. Yes. We've raised our kids that way. Like, those are so, so important to us. Be grateful and be humble. You know what I'm saying? I actually prayed that prayer at 19. Lord, humble me. Oh, my God. If there's a prayer that I might not recommend you pray, that might be the one. No one told me that when God humbles you, it feels a lot like humiliation. <laughs> That's so good. But you know what I love? I was just thinking, I love the attribute of humility. It breeds such um, realness. Like I, th- I think of people that I, I, I love, and they have this amazing ability to walk in humility they they carry humility carries a sense of like authenticity and realness um that you're just drawn to and i think you're usually these high level leaders like you know i don't know what you call them level 10 leaders level five level five <laughs> you, you level jumped 10. it to level 10 level five leaders the humility that they carry probably breeds such a uh, authenticity which create such a healthy culture because when you have a culture of authenticity, realizing that the, the person who's leading you is not perfect and they actually can talk about their flaws or admit that they made a mistake or apologize to the team they're leading, there's something so inspiring because it's this authenticity yeah. that's driven by humility. Yeah. How hard is it? Okay, let me just ask this question kind of sarcastically to everyone who's listening and to myself and to the world out there rhetorically. How hard is it to realize that people want to be around humble people and people don't want to be around arrogant people. How hard is that? Nobody wants to hang around the selfish prick. Nobody. Nope. So if you or if you have a tendency to be selfish and self-absorbed, just know this. People don't want to be around you, man. I'm not saying you're bad, but people don't want to be around. They're going to avoid you. If you're humble yeah. and grateful, just so you know, I mean, this is not so hard to grasp. People actually want to be in your presence. They want your company. They enjoy it. Yes. Makes them feel good because you're humble and you're grateful. Okay, so our kind of reason, how do we be humble? We say gratitude. Let's go to the book. It's book club. Um, he gives four kind of like practical reasons. Book club. Time. <laughs> yeah. um, the book's kind of how-to on humility. Kind of four reasons on these level five leaders. So I'll kind of read through those and we can talk about them as we end today. Number one, level five leaders that are humble, they channel their ability into the organization, not themselves or their platform. This is what it says in the book. Channel their they energy, channel their energy into, into the, the organization, organization, into the people, not to into what their pockets, not their own, not their pride, and their own fame. Yes their own platform. Yes. That's not what they do. Right. That's that's you could be a leader and do that. But if you're a level five leader, yeah. you don't do that. So good. Because you're building something that's great. And honestly, if it's all on you, it can't be that great. Number two, they here's what he said. They observed this about all these level five leaders. They weren't loud or brazen. They were just determined. 
That's so good. They weren't loud or brazen. Like all these personalities, all these uh, sanguine. I no, gotta no. be this. They were outgoing. just determined. Yeah. And they relied on inspired standards, so not inspiring beautiful. charisma. Yep. So they weren't relying on their inspiring charisma, their ability to inspire the masses. They were relying on their standards that were inspired. That that oh, is so good. Oh my standards gosh. Standards that yeah. inspire. So the and values the that we hold. that you hold, you hold consistently. Like why do you, okay, someone asked me the other day, what is the, what is the purpe and goal for 116 Church, so the community that we yep. started a year and a half ago? I was like, it's easy. It's, it's to be a place where anyone can encounter God and everyone can find genuine relationship. Hard stop. That's it. That standard that we have for that community, it was inspired. It's inspiring to us. It's the only reason we're doing it. Mm-hmm. And so it's not based on my inspiring charisma or the inspiring charisma yeah. of the people around us or how great we are and how cool we, it has nothing to do with that. And that's, and this is what the book is saying. This isn't Billy. This is what the book is saying. That's, a, that's where level five leadership gets to. Number three, they say they create results by demonstrating a compelling modesty, shunning public praise. Mm. Wow. So they create results. They get things done. They get it done. But their modesty is yeah. so compelling. So here's the thing. They, they said almost universally when they would ask these level five leaders of these massively great companies, they'd say, how did, how did, you, how did you get there? They'd be like, ah, oh, I don't even know. Most of them refused to do the interviews. They didn't want to do the interviews. Mm-hmm. He said it was amazing how some of these companies that were like the competition companies that they were comparing, the CEOs and the presidents were so down to do the interviews. Like they were calling them like, dude, are we doing this? Are we doing this? Are we doing this? Uh-huh. And the level five leaders, he said almost universally, not all, but almost all of them, like at first declined to do the interviews. They did not want to do it. And then they try to explain to them like, listen, here's what we're doing. And they try, And they're like, okay. Kind of for posterity, all right. And they were so unassuming. They didn't. Want, they they just did not want the public praise. So good. That can't be false, by the way. Yeah. It's actually become a value for them, and it has led to greatness. Yeah. Okay. Don't make me go Bible on you, real quick. I am a pastor. The Bible says whoever humbles himself will be ex- will be exalted, mm-hmm. and whoever exalts himself will be humbled. I mean, yeah. and this book that we're reading, Good to Great, it is not a Christian book. This is not a religious book. It is purely a business truth, book. My truth is truth, my Truth is truth. Yes. And the truth we'll shall set, set you free. free. All right. Fourth and last in the book, how do you become a level five leader? How do we become humble, truly humble? He says, level five leaders, they look out the window when assigning credit, and they look in the mirror when assigning blame or responsibility. Okay. They look out the window when it comes to credit. They look in the mirror when it comes to blame. He said, this was universal. He's like, we would ask these level five leaders, how did you do this? And they, so and they would good. literally, he goes, they would say this like, man, we just got lucky. Right place, right time. Or he'd be like, dude, the team I get to work with, so incredible. And they would spend hours talking about their team members and the things they came up with. They were very rarely Brilliant. ever even remotely. And they're like, and then they would even pin them down. They'd be like, well, what did you do? He's like, chose the right team to tell you that they are literally the ted lassos of the world if you have not watched the show ted lasso this is he's a level five leader that's what it is they when it comes to credit they give it to everyone else when it comes to blame they asked him a couple in this book they're like okay this you know your company went through a huge downfall during this time what did you attribute that to and most of the time they'd be like my bad that's my bad. I, you know what? I didn't stay on top of that. I failed to see the trends. Like, what about your team? Yeah, yeah. They were doing what I tell them to do. Yeah. They were doing their best, but ultimately the buck stops with me. So when it comes to blame and responsibility, they look in the mirror. Like, hey, you know what? I'm going to have to take Brilliant. this. And when it came to giving credit and praise, they gave it away. They looked out the window. I mean, 
Oh my goodness. So good. Okay, so here's the question I end with today. Can anyone get there? And this is a this is a question they ask in the book. Can anyone become a level five leader? This kind of humility and professional will simultaneously, this paradox of personalities. And they said, there's kind of two categories. They said, first of all, there are some people, and this is their opinion in the book, with such prominent egotistical needs that they would never stoop to put an organization or others before their desire for fame, fortune, position, uh-huh. praise, uh-huh. or power. They would never. They could not. It is, it is absolutely beyond them to think that they would put others before that desire because they've had that desire for so long. Can I just say this? I have been in the ministry for 24 years, and I have seen this like a cancer in ministry. Yes, easily. And I'll speak to it because I'm in it. It is this desire not to help people, not to well, serve people. I think it people. starts there. Oh, it, no, it may, most certainly starts it there, does. probably. <clears throat> but it's become like, now it's about your fame, the praise of the people, mm-hmm. the power you wield, the platform that is availed to you, the prestige that comes with it, the honor. It, and it is, it's dangerous, man. Not only does it hurt that person, it hurts the people that they're, yeah, they're supposedly community. helping. I think we can change it. I think humility and gratitude are at the key of it. And I think God helps us do that. This, this reminds me of a quote I just read. The proud man can learn humility, but he will be proud of it. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, like, drop the mic. exactly what you're talking about. Okay, so that's what they said. They said, so there's two categories. That's the first one. It's kind of discouraging. Here you go. They go, the rest of us, which they believe to be the larger category, have the potential. It just takes the right circumstances. So, okay, you're out there. You're like, okay, I want to kind of lead in such a way. Lead my life. Can I just yeah. say, it's, even if you're not leading an organization, right. lead this your could life. be your life, your home, your own goals, yourself, your own dreams, your friends, your community, your own family. Like, it doesn't have to be an organization no, no, no. where you can play this part and do what this is. Lead the, about. The, yeah. the volunteer team where you guys play basketball every weekend. Like, yeah. be a leader on that team. Like, just apply this. The, we don't get throughout life without leadership. Like we have to lead something, right. even if it's just leading yourself. Hello. Okay, so um, they said it just takes the right circumstances. And they kind of broke it down to a few things. And I thought this was pretty profound. They said one of the ways we develop humility to become level five leadership is self-reflection, conscience, personal development. It's like, and they, they related to like, um, these, are the, these are the kind of things. So like people that take the time to really self-reflect. And all of a sudden, you could be like, you know what? I got to make a change. Then po- conscious personal development, whether that's in fitness, whether that's in I'm going to read. That's why it's just you're constantly like, you know what? I'm going to better myself. I'm just going to better myself. I'm going to do little things here. I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to try 75 hard. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, every day I'm going to get up and walk or every day I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go and do this or I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to visit these four people. I want to interview these four people. I want to meet these. I want to serve so many people. Like it's consciously just trying to do something to get better. Every single day. You don't have to change the world in a day. Then they said this. They said a mentor or a great teacher or loving parents could be a huge factor in someone becoming a level five leader. They had a great mentor, had a great teacher, they had loving parents. That's a huge thing. Um, And then they said this one, which they said was probably one of the number one catalytic things for people that were maybe not on their way, were probably maybe like self-absorbed because we all are, was a significant life experience. Mm. Um, for many of these level five leaders, I said they had a near death experience. Most of them had some religious, strong religious belief or spiritual conversion. He said that was almost the number, not the number one thing, but that was the majority of it. There was a strong religious belief or spiritual conversion that took place in their life that all of a sudden the seed to be this kind of leader that's humble and driven simultaneously. And I thought, man, that's so real. Like 
So if you're out there and you're like, okay, you're just getting started in leading your life or in a business or an organization or your manager or your employee or whatever it is that you're doing, you can lead this kind of way. Um, an intense professional will coupled with an Im- just this amazing hum- personal humility. Mm-hmm. And that's going to make what you do not just be good, but be great. And that's kind of the Beautiful. premise of the book. It's so, so good. It right. is so good. Yeah, it's so inspiring to me. I mean, there's there's so many. I wish we could just like slow down and almost unpack those last few things that you said even more because it's just it is so. Um, I don't know. I, I need to go back and read the book because I'm just I'm feeling convicted as you're talking. Yeah. Um. I Rick Warren. I was just reading a couple um, quotes this morning and it says humility isn't denying your strength. It's being honest about your weaknesses. Yeah. I mean, there's so much in that. Totally. Too, right. It's and that's not denying a, your yeah. strength. So humility is not denying what you're. Actually, a humble person is really confident in what they're gifted to do. Mm-hmm. It's not denying that. It's just it's being able to acknowledge your weaknesses and, and to build, build from there. Right. It's not thinking less of ourselves. It's just thinking of ourselves less, less. which is so, so key. And so anyways, so I don't know. I was writing down my list the other day of kind of things I want to do in this year. You know, it was actually, it was a list I started January of 2021. I had seven things. And one of the things and I felt kind of inspired in this moment, we were, we were actually in Chelan last January. And um, I want to always put others first. It's, that's not my default, by the way. And I'm, I don't, that sounds so noble. That's a goal. Yeah. That's, that's, that's like a benchmark for me. Like I want to live my life in such a way that I'm putting others before myself. And, and everything I lead and my family, I want to do that because I have found, and I've, I feel like I've done pretty good this year. I haven't always done that. No one shoots 100. I got to grow in so many areas. And, you know, but um, there's such a fulfillment and happiness that comes from that. Mm-hmm. And so... Anyways, I think that's kind of what we're talking about, humility. This has been a great, this has been a great rendition of uh, yes. Book Club. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening. Morning. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you. We can say that now. It's December, and uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year. So get out there, enjoy it, and thanks for listening to Coffee Talk. Merry Christmas. Cheers. Thanks for joining us today on Coffee Talk with Billy and Jen. Hey, if you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, and we'd love to hear from you. You can leave a review rate us or follow us on social media at It's Billy Huffman. Here's to more coffee and honest conversations. Cheers.